blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. Not acceptable. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Loaded edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7 this week, so let's not waste any time and get right into it. I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for joining us this week for another edition of the show. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard drop, Jordan Air, Matt Butler. Matt, no longer behind the glass. You're right in here with Rod and myself. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? How is life no longer being behind the glass? We've been <laughs> in this studio for what? Uh, how long have we close, been in here is, now? Is it getting close to a year? Hey, hey, more than a year. It's We've been over here like a year and a half. Yeah, and a half. Okay, uh, it's a little bit different because when you're in that separated room as a producer you can listen to stuff and like sort of be the guy surprising y'all instead i'm in the room with y'all so we're all just more conversational it's, in here it is definitely a different perspective it's like tom herman calling plays yeah. the sideline and being able to call plays <laughs> you're from right the booth he wants he wants to separate himself from the emotion of the game the sideline you can't do that well, and you can, the emotion of the game it's will a great combination you. yeah and you you get influenced by the emotion of mm. us getting into a discussion you rather mm-hmm. be behind the glass so you can put in the drops and do all that more controlled environment totally perfect uh, a man Man who thrives in controlled or uncontrolled environments, just that because he's a renaissance man of bliss. A renaissance man at the Austin Radio Network, I say, which, uh, in the Horn family, Rod, to say you're the renaissance man, that's, uh, I would say, yeah. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003, Spain is in it for the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. When he gets that T ring in, he'll wear it proudly. But nevertheless, he's a card <laughs> carrying member of DBU, a black card carrying member nice. of DBU. I like that. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Rod, I think you earned that whenever, whatever number you wore in your sport at UT, if you're the best to do it, then I think you're a black card You know member. what? I agree with you. Now, you know what? I want somebody to be a better 21 than Rod B. I would like you were You were hoping Duke yet. Thomas would be that guy. Uh, Duke Thomas came close. Blake Gideon was a great 21. Mm-hmm. Love Blake Gideon. Started more games than any other player in the history of DBU. You remember those Duke Thomas debates we used to have on the show? Like that oh, one spring where that spirited. one... That Spring where he was like working wide receiver and corner. Um, is Duke in the AAF now? Yes, he's as right? far as I know still at the is, right? uh, San Antonio team. And he was he was on the NFL roster like two years he's, ago. He's Even been last year, yeah, he's gotten uh, he was with the Texans for a little bit Cowboys, with the Cowboys for a couple for a years. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think he maybe got a cup of coffee with the 49ers. He, the, the AAF is for guys like Duke Thomas or even guys like Rod Babers toward the end of my career too, and I've end most of my that <laughs> you just need to work, man. You can't you can't that off that off season hurts you right. when you're a guy like Duke Thomas and toward the end of my career you need to work you need to need to cultivate your craft the AAF even though you're not going against NFL guys still gives you the ability to do that so let's stick with the DBs though and look at the testing numbers because Rod I tried to find like combines that were comparable okay like who does this combine compare to and like looking at different skill sets and you look at Chris Boyd uh, and his combine numbers wasn't terribly long the height I think it was 5'11 five five and 3 eighths or yep. 7 eighths or something you know right around 200 pound mark uh, ran a 4'4 four, four, 6 I believe was 4'4 was 5 four, 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 Six was, was his best time. One. Four four six was his second. If you look at his skill set, you look at his projection, and you look at a combine that was comparable to his. I looked at Cheeto Bayouzier's combine, mm-hmm. and the numbers between those two guys are very similar. Mm-hmm. And the NFL fit is real similar too, in terms of Cheeto Bayouzier was a guy who was a corner in college. Who uh, you know the Cowboys played him in safety. He's a nickel guy that can play multiple positions in the secondary. Yeah. Uh, I think Chris Boyd has the skill set to do that in the NFL, but I think for Chris Boyd, the interview process was going to be big for him because I think teams want to know because we. Saw at times at Texas how bad his eyes were, how he got lost coverage, doesn't play well with his back quarterback. In terms of football IQ, how much does he know? Can he handle playing multi positions? Yeah, well, that's what everybody does that in their interviews. I mean, they'll break down film with you. There's a the question, you know, question and answer period, but then there's the part where, you know, they turn on the film. Right. Or they'll put you on the dry erase board and they want to know, you know, exactly what your football IQ is. It's basically a little mini test. Right. Most of the time it's film and they and it's about you. It's either a bad player or a good play. And they're going to show you and be like, okay, so what were you thinking on this play? 
play. What are your reads? What um, are you reading number one, number two? Uh, you know, what's your secondary read and focus after number one or number two disappears? What coverage are you in? All that kind of stuff. And yeah, for Chris Boyd, I imagine most of those plays are going to be, you know, his bad play. Right. And try and uh, what I what I think they're going to ask him about, you know, because Chris Boyd's really bad with his back to the football. Like, and I think that's what teams realize in the Big Twelve. Like when his back to the football, man, just throw it, just throw it, because he'll pa- he'll have a panic moment. Mm-hmm. And that one moment of panic is enough for that position, that receiver to get position, and for him to make a play. And we saw that time and time again on Chris Boyd. And I think that was one of the reasons they want to get double moves and they want to try to get him deep. They just want to get his back turned because that's when he's at his worst. So for him, he, you know, one of the things I think that he'll be asked about is like, what's your plan? What's your protocol when when your when your back is turned and you're beat? Like, mm-hmm. what what are you what are you looking for? What are you trying to do? And when I and when I was always beat, you find the hip of the receiver and you want to make sure you locate it. You want to make sure you can feel it. With, and he can do that. This guy's fast. I mean, he's four four. I mean, he's a really good athlete. Secure the hip of the receiver. Find it. Feel it. And then look and lean. All right. Look for the ball. Lean into the receiver. Those are my kind of three steps when I was beat. And I was a real fast corner, so I could do that. And for Chris Boyd, he doesn't have any protocol when he's beat. Like it's just pure panic. No protocol. And I think they're going to ask him about things like that. And I know he's being taught these things. We know that. Hell, the, the Horns two four seven article last year, which was awesome, was talked about. You know his improvement after that uh, Oklahoma game. Yeah. All right. Going to the Oklahoma State game when they put the GoPro on his helmet and everything. Great story. But it really talked about how Texas they couldn't even figure out what was wrong with him. They had the genius idea of putting a GoPro on his head to, to, so they could see where what he was looking at from mm-hmm. from from uh from down to down and within the down. And it turns out that that's the way they corrected his eyes. And he's got bad eyes. I think that actually happened a lot this year too, where he's got bad eyes and he can tell you, oh, coach, I'm looking at this. Coach, I'm looking at that. The film doesn't back that up. Film says your eyes get caught up in the backfield. The film says that you don't identify your receiver in man coverage. So the film says something different than what right. his football IQ may say. So that's what they're going to want. They're going to want to bridge that disconnect. Uh, with Chris Boyd, I've heard a lot of people talk about him playing safety, man, because he plays really well, facing the football, got uh, decent ball skills. He's physical as hell. He had 19 reps on the bench more than any other cornerback. Uh, so you know he's strong and you know he's, you know, like you just said with Chidobe Awuzie, that comparison, you know, he seems like a, just a versatile athlete overall. Mm-hmm. So if you get good coaching, maybe they can play him at the uh, the nickel in those dime packages, playing safety or playing the dime. So, I, yeah, of course. I mean, he could end up being drafted as high as Charles Amenahu just because of his, his specs, you know what I mean? And you know he'll be a core special teams guy, gunner, jammer, kickoff guy, whatever. No question about it. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's a challenge with Chris Boyd because his, we knew the phys- physical dimensions and measurables were there, but that didn't translate to the film. And he's just a, a, a defensive back who's got a really high ceiling, but he's got a really low basement, too. He doesn't yeah. have really... He, he didn't develop a baseline as a player. Which that, is, that sums up his Texas career. You know I what I mean? Like, yeah. how do you not develop a baseline as a ve- as a veteran player, as a junior or a senior, where you have a consistent level of play and you never really drop below that? Now, you may never... You may not always play as an all-conference player, an all-American player, or play as an NFL player on that Saturday or Sunday, but you never look like you're a guy that doesn't belong on the field. No, and, and it was, there were it was, times it was where, week to week with him, too. Yeah. Like, you pop in the Oklahoma State film, you're like, I'm not touching this guy till maybe the sixth or seventh round. You pop in the West Virginia tape of him like, going against David Sills, you're like, wow, wow this guy's probably a top That's 100 pick. Team no all big 12. Yeah, defender. Yeah. And that, yeah, I mean, the, that, and I think that is the the conundrum. So, which which is the real Chris Boyd? And the, the position question. that he plays is the worst position where you don't want to have a baseline because you can be a catastrophic error. Exactly. Just, a double can, move. Exactly. You fall forward, then boom, we're down by seven because you had a brain fart. Exactly. You know I mean? And yeah. then you brought it up right there, but how you had a protocol in the panic and that's something that is really like if you think about a player like Boyd who has all the physical skills but in one situation when his back's turned to the ball at that point he doesn't have a protocol in the panic and I mean if you could find a way to fix that short circuiting if he's able to do that it shows that he has all the tools to get everything done so that's just one thing that great description like a short circuit it almost like like that that one part of his game you think about though like how the game hasn't slowed down for certain guys like he's not the Neo in the Matrix and we've seen the deer in the headlights look with certain players that whenever you, that somebody doesn't you feel that they are uncomfortable they are one that's hesitating something like that so if you have that while you're playing defensive back while your back's turned you're totally lost with the ball and if you can fix it it can be a quick fix it's just sometimes that's something that ends somebody's career because they're never able to be comfortable in that chaotic environment Rod, some team may play more zone than man and like them though. there you go and that's where you can fit perfect yeah. Rod I watched some of the combine didn't watch all of it but I caught uh, and it might have been on one of the videos Texas put out but Daniel Jeremiah and Charles Davis were having a conversation during the DB drills and I forgot which one of them said it but it's a point that I brought up here on the show to you and we've talked about it guys at college level and even guys at the NFL level you don't see anybody backpedal 
in it. No. Like most, especially in the Big 12 where you're playing a lot of quarters coverage, you're, mm-hmm. you're bust to the sideline, or you're just, yep. uh, you know, you're in some type of zone coverage or whatever. Uh, very few guys turn to run. And, and you even pointed that out this year at Texas with, I know Jason Washington coaches bump and run technique. I know they coach press, but yeah. you don't see corners very, very rarely do you see guys truly bump their and run. Yeah. yeah. Um, overall, I just want to get your opinion on that because it's something yeah. we're seeing less and less football. No, I agree. And I think the uh, the backpedal, uh, you know, even when the coach of Keaton was here, we were learning the shuffle technique because he wasn't a big fan of backpedal. You know what I mean? Because you were playing against all these air raid offenses and you had these crossing change routes direction. and change direction. And even when we were in man coverage and we were playing off in man coverage, he wanted you to be able to see see the route development and he didn't want you to take yourself out of the play. So he would encourage the shuffle. And we right. all got to the point where we were shuffling more than we were backpedaling. Richard so, Sherman big on the shuffle. Big on the, I think a lot of people now, are. Yeah. It's, it seems like a more comfortable state for a, a defensive back, especially got defensive backs are getting bigger and longer. Right. right. Guy like Richard Sherman trying to get down the compact ends to backpedal. It's like, well, it seems counterproductive. When get, the shuffle all keeps your footwork shifting. inside. Yeah, so if you can get a good you know, balance uh, when, you're shuffling, when you're shuffling, it serves the same purpose. But I think actually puts you in a better position to explode out the break. So, so I think that's where people are going. And you know what? Now, you know, I think people are, they just want you to be able to see the football backpedal. Oftentimes, yeah, you can see everything, but you know what I mean? Like you, sometimes you can you can lose leverage really quickly backpedal. You're, you're like almost on that 180 axis. You yeah, don't have that ability to It shade. almost allows you to swivel a little bit better and allows you to, to maintain leverage better than backpedaling. Is, is it almost... Change directions to both sides, basically. Yeah. Is it is is the, the backpedaling versus shuffling, is it almost the same thing? And I'm, I'm leaning on your expertise as a DB who's done it at the highest level. Is it almost the same thing as people that have the debate, well, a quarterback, he's in the shotgun too much, he needs to be under center. Well, Not if he's seeing the field, does it really matter if he's yeah. taking a, a snap from shotgun or under center? It's a great point because what is that about footwork, right? They, you know, worried about the footwork of the quarterback when they take it out shotgun Eliminated. or there. Yeah, like, yeah Matt, you took the words out yeah. of my mouth. You're, you're just basically taking almost an unnecessary it's a step out. I exactly. That. You're taking the margin for error. There's a chance of error that you're bringing into the play just by choice, by backpedaling or by being under yeah. center. I agree with that, that. Like, you have to have the hand-to-hand and a couple steps. So there's one, two, three. Now, they are minuscule, but those are chances. And if you eliminate those, like, there's a lot of sports nowadays that just is about eliminating that, that error. I think it's a good comparison. If Bill Belichick can question combine drills and their necessity or their relevance today, then we can all question combine drills and their necessity. And their no, relevance. I'm with you on that. Like, I I'm watching the backpedal drill, and I'm just thinking, like, how you, often do we've I been talking about? I was like, we've been talking about it on the blitz for years. We don't see anybody backpedal. Yeah, you anymore. don't. You really don't. I think middle field safeties are the last guys I see that are mm, full yeah. on backpedals mm. a lot of times. And, and it's easy to do that when you're 20 yards <laughs> off the exactly. ball, you know? Yeah, I think the game's just happening too fast now. Yeah. I mean, it really is. You know, that three step read, I remember Coach Akina was teaching us, like, don't move at all during your three step read. Take your three step read as almost a slow shuffle backwards so that when he does pop that slant, you're right on top of him. And, and you're so yeah. slow where if you use the leverage right, he's got to run through you if he wants to go slant and go anyway. So differently, yeah. if you go to a Texas practice, because Texas goes from the shotgun almost exclusively in the pro spread, if you watch them throw bubbles, there's no footwork involved. It's how quick can you get the ball? It's take the snap, boom, get it out, boom, get it out, boom, get it exactly out. Like right. They're not working on There's no step process in there. You're yeah. already, feet are already set. And what what if the air raid and the spread do? Ball started coming out quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Coach Kenneth's like, oh, pedal man, by the time you get into your back pedal, they already got the route combination going and guys got crossing routes and slants. Same thing with the shotgun. Like yeah. You can't make that awesome. bubble, right? You can't throw that pass if you have to drop back five steps and then throw the pass. It's just not possible to happen. Yeah, so I, I think you're right. I think it's just evolution. And not not that both don't serve a purpose and both can't work, but I'm just saying, I agree. I think that's one technique right now that's becoming more prominent. And I think that one maybe <laughs> followed the other. Like the, like the more the shotgun was, the more DBs had to adjust how they're able. You don't have the time to backpedal and have those few steps maybe be taken advantage of. So yeah, just some interesting anyway. X's and O's yeah. kind of football nuance talk there. But overall, Rod, I thought Chris Boyd had a pretty solid combine. Even a, you could say he had a good combine. I thought he had a good combine. Like you said, the bench numbers, 19, yeah. it was more than four, any other quarter. Mid 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, which good is time. probably, I mean, if you looked at his offseason testing at Texas, Yancey McKnight said last summer on their watch, which I don't know how they're timing the offseason, I don't know if they're stopwatch or laser yeah, or what. Uh, he said Chris Boyd was probably a low 4-4 four, low four, four type guy. So, you know, for him to go 4-4-5. Four, four, to do it at the combine is because the combine, usually guys are faster away from the combine right. generally than they are at the combine. Gary Johnson goes 4-4-3. Four, four, wow. uh, man, those linebackers were moving. They were. I think three Devin of the White, five fastest times in the history of the combine for linebackers were at. Devin White goes 4-4-2, and then yeah. Devin Bush, his official time was 4-4-3, <laughs> so he's right there with Gary Johnson. Um, Rod, I tried to find somebody, and again, 
again, I was just looking for comparisons. Guys, for Larry Jones. Past I'm sorry for Gary Johnson. It, it, it was almost <laughs> impossible because guys that ran the same time as him, like the the weights are different, mm-hmm. so it's he's faster than guys that are comparable in terms of height. Just don't really find anything that's like no. comparable. The closest thing I think mm-hmm. I found, I looked at some of Ernie Sims combine numbers when he came out, and he was in the same kind of six foot six one. I think he was two thirty three. I think Gary Johnson was two twenty six. Uh, Ernie Sims ran, I think, four or five flat, yeah. and some of the testing numbers were pretty similar, not exactly, but it, yeah, in, in the, the ballpark. Room. But yeah, it's just, it's interesting though, when you start doing the research, Rod, in terms of like linebacker evolution, now into with the NFL becoming more of a spread game, mm-hmm. you need guys who can run. So I think Gary Johnson has a chance much more now than he did even five years ago to, to not only make a roster, but get himself drafted in those middle Gary ones. Johnson is in today's NFL. He's almost ideal. And it sounds crazy, yeah. but but he, he he will knock. Like he'll come down and he'll fill the he'll fill the alley. Uh, we know that he's a ferocious hitter and likes physicality. He doesn't shy away from it. And with a guy of his size, usually that's the concern. But when you got a guy that can run, I think about this now for that 2017 defense. Your two inside linebackers, Malik Jefferson and Gary Johnson, were probably as fast, if not faster, than any of the guys in your secondary. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like Gary Johnson was faster. Right than there Chris with Boyd. Chris Boyd. <laughs> Like, so, man, if you're if you're Todd Orlando, I know this is kind of off the subject. Man, I, I hope hope you're not building your your defense going forward, hoping to get to be able to replicate that. Another like that heat is, seeking missile. That, I don't know if any other team in college football can say they had linebackers that fast. That's crazy. Yeah. Like four four. I think Malik was a four, legitimate Malik, four five. Four, four five two. I think. Yeah. Last year. So okay. So four, getting five, back two, to four, it, five, my three. point is like that 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 defense that that was part of what made them special was Puna inside. Then your two inside <laughs> linebackers faster than any other. We'll look back at the 2017 defense. <laughs> in a few years and be like, man, wow, that defense was that legit. defense was really good. Exactly. And Chris oh, Boyd, so we Charles did the Venom same thing with drafted. that 2012 yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with the same point. roster, we were like, oh, man, it wasn't yeah. as bad as we When you look back, you're like, damn. <laughs> yeah, I just, they they probably should have been better, even though they were really good. No wonder um, why they had one of the top defenses right? in the country. So, But getting Gary Johnson, he can stay on the field for three down. At, at first down, and the thing about it, teams are throwing the ball more on first down than they ever have in the history of the NFL. Right. Why? Because all the stats say the most successful passing down is not second, not third down, it's first down. You get more yards passing on first down than any other down in the NFL. So people are passing more on first down. They used to be the, the slobber knocker down. And on second down now, you know, okay, if they want to run it, but teams probably are going to throw it more on second down than they did on on, on first down. Mm-hmm. All right? And then you have third down, which is because it's traditionally passing down. So the game's just becoming more of a spread game. They're passing more. You got a linebacker that can run 4-4. That means he can line up and play an Alvin Kamara or line up and cover guys in a slot like a Todd Gurley. He can line up and cover tight ends. I mean, that's how the Patriots were able to get their advantage on the Rams, remember? They mm-hmm. have 21 personnel, but then they spread everybody out. They went empty formation out of 21 personnel, which had only been done, I think, 11 times by all 32 teams the entire season. 11 times total. And what they did was they found matchups. They found linebackers and safeties that couldn't cover tight ends and running back. Gary Johnson, that's not a matchup advantage. He can run 4-4. He can cover that wheel route yeah. with Kareem Hunt coming out of the backfield. Not a lot of guys can do that. So I think he's going to end up, if he makes a, I think he'll end up making, now he's making a roster. He'll be a late pick because he's small. He'll be a value you pick, but I think he's got a chance to stick like on right. a roster. It ended up being like potentially a starter in the league like at one point. He's that kind. To me, he's that kind of player. Yeah, so, and he's at the position where you sort of find value with value. him, and normally good teams are the only ones that root those out, so he'll be that guy that's a third or fourth rounder that ends up being a guy that produces day one or something that you that. sort of come and out special of special teams, a linebacker running the 4-4? <laughs> right. I know they don't, the kickoff doesn't matter anymore, but still, that's every special team unit right there. Um, <laughs> so we say Rod Gary Johnson's draft value probably Fifth, sixth round, yeah, late five, early so. six. And I hate to say that because I think he's a better player than that. But that's the NFL. And, yeah, and with Boyd, the position, it'll just go down. Yeah, Chris Boyd probably late, late day two, early day three. Uh, yeah, I mean Chris Boyd, fourth round, third, fourth round, somewhere in yeah. there. Yeah. So let's talk about Charles Amenahu because I know a lot of people looked at forty time, which when it got adjusted to the official yeah. time, it wasn't that it was bad. Four nine two, four nine two. Yeah, yeah. He'll run it faster at the pro day. Yeah, yeah. Dean's which don't have to run. It's crazy. It just shows you the Great depth point. of this D line <laughs> class, Rod. There's a couple ways to look at the depth of this D-line class. Uh, when you look at Charles Amin, who's 40, LJ Collier, who's been at TCU, who's been getting a lot of buzz shooting up draft boards. Yes. LJ Collier went 491. Yeah. And then Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame, who's considered a top well, top 70 type pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Tillery went 493. Great. So Charles Amin, who's right there. Um, and again, well, just again, the depth of this D-line class. You know, Taco Charlton a couple years ago was a first round pick. And I I know I've used a couple Cowboys guys comparing combines, but that's what I know that's in my wheelhouse because mm-hmm. that's what I study. Um, if you look at the combine numbers, between Taco Charlton and Charles Amenhu, they're almost identical. Wow. And you're talking about a guy that went in the first 
round. Yeah. And probably in terms of that value, that draft where he was valued, it was probably valued as a top 20 to 25 guy. Charles yeah. Menahu might not go in the first 90 picks. Crazy. Right yeah. now, I haven't seen him as like late second, third round guy. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, it, he's got he's got arms that are long as hell. I go, I didn't go look at the arm uh, length and see 36 and a half, I think, man. Yeah. You can correct but me. But I do that. remember at yeah. the Senior Bowl, what they say? 36. It was the, the longest. 36 it was the longest in, at the Senior Bowl in like four or five years. Since DJ Fluker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nick um, Bosa's 33. He's got three inches on Yeah, Bosa. and, you know, he's got he's got great film and BGO, and everybody knows. He's got two things that he uses. Ball as get his, out. Yes, at, at his advantage uh, when he's rushing the passer. And he even brought this up in his combine interviews. I got a chance to watch some of them uh, with the media, not with the teams. And I'm sure they asked him about it. He said, my BGO is off the charts. I know I'm really good at it. That's why I, I disarm the offensive lineman because you better start thinking about getting to the, you know, making me run the bubble and getting, you know, getting already, you know, shuffling out there to make sure that, you know, you can meet me at the at the mesh point. And he said once they're they're usually on skates because they're trying to keep up with my BGO, that's when I use my length. And I can usually get them moving one way or the other. I can feel that out and that will determine his next move. Maybe it's going to be a spin move. Maybe it's going to be a rip. Maybe it's going to be a, you know, I mean, whatever it's going to be is kind of based on what their body weight doing. Yeah. And I love that. That shows his, him maturing as a Grad player. level stuff right, right there. Uh, yeah, it is. And I was like, that makes perfect sense too because High yeah, like every you. offensive lineman, their pivot, where they pivot is different and where they like to shift their weights different depending right. on, you know, if they, they believe that, you know, they, they can they can make him run the bubble really quick or if they have really good hips or if they have a good punch at the at the initially, whatever This is, is levered. Yeah, whatever it is. So he's feeling that out and then he, he, he changes his pass rush moves depending on what the offensive lineman is doing. And to me, that just shows you that's a guy that's thinking at an NFL level. So we know he's a really good pass rusher. Todd Orlando proved he can also stop the run by run by playing him inside in the, the tight, the four eye and all that kind of stuff. So for him, running a four nine two, I think he'll run a four eight something at the pro day. But man, I, I think there are teams that are gonna fall in love with Charles Minnehill. Yeah, I you know, you you look at his evolution as a recruit and he he's kind of the post child I think Tom Herman wants to use going forward for this program and look how you can come into a program mm-hmm. even though you had the coaching change, the staff only had him for two years, but look at the development he made yeah. by the time he left. Came in as a real wiry two hundred thirty pound guy. I mean, I remember Vance Bedford saying, "Look, we didn't even really want to play him as a true freshman, but they didn't have any choice. They had oh, yeah. to get him out there for depth purposes." And you know, Charles coming up as a recruit, he was always had just a natural feel for pass rushing. But the question with him was number one, where is his body going to go? Mm-hmm. And two, can he play the run with some consistency? And yeah. we saw that by force, really, with this Todd Orlando odd front. That the closer you got to play to the ball, I mean, you better be have you better have your hard hat and your lunch pail and, and be ready to go and work in the trenches. And so he's always had that natural pass rush ability, became a better run defender. We saw what the strength program did. Came in at like 235 and, le- and, and leaves weighing 280 combine. Yeah, so crazy. that just shows you kind of what you can do if, if you he's put the freak. work in. Yeah. He's that 50 pounds category. of muscle, it's like how we always would talk about Arakpo was the poster child. He came in at 6'4", 215, left at 6'4", 255. And when you see these wiry pass rushing right. frames that come in like this. But, Ron, you talk about the student of the game part, and I'll, I'll always remember this about Charles because uh, you know I, I asked him about this at F- Texas Tech game in Lubbock, and I think this just shows you how deep in a film study he was. Remember that game where it really turned, and you look at the end of the game, and this is where you can say Tech's probably won the game. Tech has a fourth down at like the minus 36. They got a fourth and one, and Charles says he goes and taps Chris Nelson. He said, move over. I'm lining up over the ball, and I'm going over the top because he said he studied film. He said every time they go under center in short yardage, it's always a quarterback sneak. It's never been anything else. They call quarterback sneak. He goes over the top. They stop it, and they score a touchdown three plays later. That's that, that, yeah, over the right. top is even like cool. That just makes you feel good. Like, wow, this yeah. is a guy that really gets Shows it. football IQ, shows, like you said, the film then study, it shows leadership, and then the application in the chaos. Time, to recognize <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. I, I think that somebody's going to steal with Charles Manhill, and you're right, because and, and it's, no, it's not his fault. It's just he's going to drop in, He's going to drop to the, the third round or something just because, man, it's just so many freakish mm-hmm. defensive linemen. It's the deepest defensive line draft we've probably seen in 30, 40 years. It may be the deepest ever. That's what they're saying. Yeah. In terms of athleticism, you had, yeah. make sure I get it right, you had three, you had uh, three D tackles run four seven or faster. Yeah, you had nine one edge ran rushers a four five eight one four six five or better. You Ma- know what D Montez Sweat went four four two. He we ran a faster time than Odell Beckham Jr. It's like what the hell is mm-hmm. going on? And they're making these they're making defensive linemen different than they used to. Man, I'm with you. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's just the modern evolution. Of the game. Bigger, faster, stronger, and yeah. then now these guys with this explosivity that have been training and specialized since they're young are able to. It's even another thing that's a totally different conversation for another day but us as Longhorn fans always follow like say when Aaron Ross married Sonia Richards Ross and how like whenever oh, yeah. you started to see jeans. these <laughs> jeans yes but there was an article 
what came out and I heard a lot of NBA people talking about it whenever Steph Curry came into the league and he was like one of the first there was only a hand there's single digit amount of kids of NBA players that were in the league now now there's over 20 of them oh, and yeah. it sort of coincides with females getting the rights to go get scholarship athletes in the 70s and 80s so then you started to have more females be able to meet males in college that were athletes and you just had this whole generation of kids the last five years have spawned where mm. you, when you said Odell Beckham it's it's jumped into my mind because Odell Beckham's mom was a track star athlete yeah. and dad so you have a lot of these multi-athlete parents and the Bosa's are one of those families and along these lines and we see them at Texas all the time that now they're just going to be so many more and more just great athletes Hell, look, at, look at the basketball team at Texas with Jackson Hayes mom yeah. played college basketball dad played tight end 12 years in the NFL no it's a theme everywhere yeah. across all of college yeah, sports it's a really good indicator we've been great, talking uh, yep. yeah great example of that I agree mm-hmm. yeah, happening everywhere right so uh, we'll talk about you know Devontae Davis mm-hmm. we'll talk about Devontae <laughs> Davis the closer we get to the pro day and we'll talk more combine stuff we get to the pro day because we got some more ground we got to cover but we can't have the show without talking about Lil Jordan Humphrey's combine Rod there were draft analysts who have said yeah. the worst combine they've ever seen one of the worst combine performances <laughs> they've ever seen there's no way Rod you could the, here, here's the only way I found you could put a positive spin on LJ Humphrey's combine you ready this is the only thing I found and trust me I racked my brain for a long time okay. figuring out how can you you know put some lipstick on this pig if a team really likes him and said man we we probably take him in the third or fourth round they're looking at him now saying man we probably get him in the sixth yeah, or the seventh sixth round, yeah. hell maybe we don't even have to draft him yeah, but point. maybe if we if we've got some of those picks sixth seventh round boom we take him right he'll there. be there in the fifth round for them I, I, I think it's, it's at this point yes. yeah exactly yeah so because and i don't want to sound like i'm knocking little jordan humphrey personally but but the numbers are what they are and it's not good either way because you can talk about we know his game isn't built on speed right mm-hmm. but i think rod to me the bigger issue is you knew speed wasn't your number one asset yet you showed up 20 pounds under your playing your list of playing weight at text which suggested on the service oh he probably did a lot of speed training we all thought to lean up and get ready yeah and then you go out and go four seven nine or four seven five so to me rod forget the time the bigger question i think little jordan humphrey's gonna answer now is what were you doing between the bowl game and the combine to get yourself ready uh and yeah that's what i brought up on the show i said the and it obviously you have to improve the 40 time and none of us who've watched him believe he's a four seven nine no oh he's the slowest wide receiver i was thinking worst case he would be mid four sixes yeah he's got the slowest wide receiving time at the combine i gotta go look back at the history books they may be one of the slowest in the history of the combine yeah like no joke for a wide receiver um but i I agree with you i think now the 40 time and that's that's a big problem for a wide receiver to have a slow 40 time the bigger issue now is everybody wants to know well did you take the job interview seriously enough is it a work ethic issue and then you get to then you're asking about intangibles and whether this is a guy you should invest in it football character and all that so now yes football character is being called into question so you know for him he's got i don't know when the text pro day is when three weeks or something like that yeah three weeks something like that Um, you got three weeks for another you got three weeks man because the thing is if they take your best numbers now it will believe but i believe it's wednesday the 27th okay so he's got yeah he's got about three weeks he's got to get that 40 time down and i'm with you i think some team still really loves him and it's now they're thinking oh thank god yeah because now i get him in six to seven you know there's a couple of teams yeah because there's still two or three teams and he's the type of receiver that doesn't need his top end speed he does a lot of his stuff underneath too and he has ball skills what we all loved about him was that he was a a a running back trapped in a wide receiver's body unfortunately now we have more Mm -hmm. clarity he's a running back trapped in a wide receiver's body with a tight with tight end speed and and not even elite tight ends these days we're talking about just the the block like you know blocking tight ends you know what i mean he's a lumbering old gronk speed (laughs) yeah yeah exactly you look like yeah you look like old gronk out there so i think for him i think i think he's gonna be good i think once he makes an nfl roster the hard work will be done for him this is the hard part for him he he gets on nfl roster you put him in a slot and you have little Jordan humphrey running routes i think we all agree then he starts looking like the guy that you know was one of the best wide receivers in the country uh he's a unicorn man he's he's got to go to the right place though too right gronkowski ran a four seven nine at combo gronk did yeah four seven nine on his first in a four six eight on the seventh it's just funny that um but yeah so i think for him he's got to go to the right the right spot and somebody wants to use him as kind of that flex tight end i think i know it sounds crazy the rams use their tight ends like that yeah the rams tight ends are all sleek long guys i know it's not crazy him being a tight end like no no he's not a tight end he's a wide receiver but how are teams going to use him because in the slot where they're putting more and more athletic corners because they got to keep up with the julian edelman's of the world and the cooper cups of the world and the kiki qt's and the cole beasley's i don't know if he can necessarily get open in the nfl like you know i mean like he did at the college level he's not gonna be playing against the third or fourth best corner every 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 down um like he did in college he's gonna be 
you're playing sometimes against the second or, you know, second or the best cover, cover guy on the team because teams are investing now in the slot corner. Because none of his other tests, Rod, were great. No, like, the bench was all, terrible, too. Yeah. The bench was... Let me check this. Yeah. I was upset about the bench. <laughs> was it 13? 13 reps on the bench. I was upset about that because I was like, man, 13 reps. I think I was doing... Come on, man. That's that's like Lily freshman year of Didn't you do college. like 15, Rod? I think mm-hmm. I did like 15 or 16. I'm like, man, thir- you, can, you can do better than 13. You Even with 13. long arms, six, you should. He's like six, almost 6'4". Six, he was 220-something during the season, right? I expect his strength to be something that he was, you know, was a str- was an asset for him. No, no pun intended there, strength. But turns out it wasn't the case. So, yeah, I, I wondered, too, what he was doing. Whoever he was working out with, man, you need to move on quick, fast, in a hurry and yeah. go to another trainer or go to a track coach, you know what I mean, and figure out how to get your start together. He's a, what I found, I watched this 42. Either that or I'm ready to fire my agent for setting me up with too. somebody bad. Um, He's got, he, he's, in, he's a, he's, and I know it's a track guy. He's a very inefficient runner. He, he's got a lot of wasted movement when he runs, which yeah. is not good for a forward. That's what you train for, right? Yeah. No wasted movement. You know, start, drive out of the Exactly. So, but that's what that's what combine prep is. I, so True. I, I train you how to I run the 40. I don't, I'm with you. I don't, I don't know what he was doing. That's what yeah. I'm saying. I watched I was like, <laughs> he doesn't look like a guy who's been trained to run the 40. And so has he been trained to run he the looks, 40? He looks completely different from the guy he was during the season. Like, he had muscle, some muscle definition yeah, in his nice, arms. Skinny and, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It didn't like, look good. Not it, a good look. That's what I said. Forget the time. It just makes it look like you just didn't take the combine prep serious at Football all. Football speed is real, though. And we, that's where, is. like, the, I mean, and the modern devaluation of the NFL combine will actually help him if, but it's going to have to take a team that's confident in what they're seeing and what they've seen on film right. and identifying. So it does hurt you because some teams will eliminate you, but there also will be some teams, like Rod said, that this can actually be a way that he can end up with a better landing spot that exactly. if they actually understand what they're looking yeah. for because his ball skills are his ball skills. He's rarely targeted 40 yards downfield. Now his quickness didn't come show up as well in the three cone or in the 20 yard shuttle but if this is all stuff that yet like you said it isn't a good sign if you show up to an interview lacking right. preparedness prepared, yeah. but if they're hiring you to play football that actually has nothing to do with playing football so right. we'll see. all right time for our first break on the show but when we come back we'll continue talking about the combine before we transition to talking about the newest members of the texas football program you're listening to longhorn blitz with horns 247.com Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. Um, another guy who we know can play ball, and again, we'll talk more about combine stuff as we get closer to pro day. Uh, a guy we know who can play ball is Parker Braun. And Texas Ooh, has yeah. added a grad transfer offensive lineman, right, the second offseason in a row, really third offseason in a row for this Tom Herman regime where they have had needs in the offseason and they have used the grad transfer market to or the junior college ranks or whatever to address those needs. Actually picked up two linemen this week, Willie Tyler, a JUCO product uh, out of Iowa Western, and you get Parker Braun. But what does he play? Willie Tyler's going to be a tackle, but he's going to be more of a red shirt, stash away, Project. developmental type guy. Yeah. Uh, Parker Braun, and, and let's get this out of the way on Parker Braun. The, it's been kicked around that he could red shirt potentially because he does have a red shirt year really? he can use, but Texas doesn't make this move if they're not planning to use him. Why would you red shirt all the, ACC? The thought, the <laughs> thought the would be is he wants a year to develop maybe in an NFL system coming from the Georgia-Tech system, but but let's be real. They're an old option. If you're yeah. Texas, you don't make this move unless you're getting the guy right away because yeah. he is a plug-and-play instant starter at left guard probably. And all like yeah. That lets you look at your right guard battle probably between. I, I really think Okafer. you take. But if he sucks and all, plays less than four games, he can still Richard. It's I, just a technicality that he has. Like He's eligible for it. I great think point. you take Kerstetter and Okafor and figure out which one of those guys is better and maybe plug one at tackle or or let the other one compete yeah. with Junior Angelau for guard or whatever. I really think you're going to find two starters between those three guys: Angelau, Kerstetter, and Oak mm-hmm. for right guard, right, right guard. I agree right that tackle. right tackle, right guard. Uh, and and actually, Kerstetter Rod is a guy that I like really to be a, a more souped up version of what you had with Elijah Rodriguez in terms mm-hmm. of he's your he's your six man, knife, yeah. he's your guy that can play any position, center you need. guard, tackle, yeah. anywhere you need him. You yeah. have a you have a disaster. Okay, you go in, plug in there. We move this around, boom, keep going. Yeah, he manufactured that for you. Yes, and I, I love that her hand. That's one of his tent pole philosophies, right? We know that now. He wants guys that are versatile. At least two 
of those, two or three of those guys. And he's got like, you know, two guys that can switch up and play different things for him. I think Okafor can play some tackle. Okafor's guard. guard tackle, yes. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I, I, like, I like having that. Honestly, I would make that kind of a, a commandment for all offensive linemen. Like, you know what I mean? I need two of those guys every year on my O line. I think Braun's even a guy that could step in Is and it? maybe play center for it. Oh, that that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. I, a guy I didn't think about it. He's, he's like 6'3, 280 or something because yeah. he is considered undersized, yeah. um, but he's really athletic. Right. right here. And, I mean, that could be if you decide that your best guards are Angelau and Okafor, like you decide after Braun, maybe Braun, if something happens to Shackleford, maybe instead of Kerstetter, maybe you move Braun to center, decide, okay, we're just going to beef up the interior, move Braun over to center, yeah. and plank him with these two guards that we really like. And then maybe you got Kerstetter or Christian Jones or whoever ends up being right tackle. But you, you've got the versatility gives you options. The, yes, the addition of Parker yeah. Braun gives you options. And now, now you got like seven, eight guys right yeah. now that we can think of probably that you're going to be deciding between the rotation and who's yeah, going to play. Because Topia has got a chance to get himself in there. Yeah. You, know, you brought I, up Angulao. I think JP Urquidez is a guy on the outside that's got a chance to maybe get himself in there and get some reps. I think this spring is huge for those two guys. I think really this staff now, those guys as fourth year juniors, you really got to figure out, okay, can these guys play or not? Uh, yeah, no question. Because then you got to decide, all right, this class that we're redshirting right. of offensive Because if you decide, for instance, yeah. like JP Urquidez, you decide, okay, he's not a guy. Okay, it's Christian Jones or is Reese Moore a guy? Yeah. Because we need to get them those practices. Agreed. Yeah. So this is one of those springs. No or like Tope right. Amade. If you decide Tope Amade is not a guy, then Rafita Germain needs to be getting yeah. this. Yep. Or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's like we talked about last year with Calvin Anderson, uh, and then you also bring in Trey Watson the year before. You need a kicker. You go get Joshua Rowland from Juco. You go bring in Kendall Moore to help tight end issue. Rod, I, I just like that this staff, they're, not that they're reinventing the wheel, but you know, Tom Herman's always fond of telling the players, hey, we don't miss. If you take a lazy step, we're going to see it. It's nice to see the coaches kind of repay that in terms of building this roster, saying, hey, look, if we got a hole, let's go fill it. I even heard that they even kicked the tires on potential grad transfer corners, but they decided, look, we just like Anthony Cook and Jalen Green, Green so much that we feel like we'll just grow with these two young guys, but they actually took a look and, hey, do we need to bring in a corner to create a little buffer like they decided they need to do with the offensive line? So I just like that this staff is always thinking yeah, two steps ahead yeah. and not leaving anything to chance. Yeah. Well, and the way that this staff, I mean, it just sort of spawned the last five years, but there's a whole nother way that you can go and fix your roster. You used to have to wait and yeah. find kids to recruit, and you couldn't rely on a transfer. It's taken a year, but I mean, now you have kids in high school just getting so many college credits that you can see them actually graduating in two and three years, and now it's so easy that you can now go shop around, and I mean, it's like you're already recruiting and looking and who's going to be eligible next mm-hmm. year, and you can start watching film on these guys and have guys finger-picked that you want to go after if you, say, miss out on X recruit. That's something that didn't even exist five years ago. Yeah, I agree with that. So, when you look at the roster, though, you you, know, you add Willie Tyler, you add Parker Braun, and those moves are not official yet, but they're you know they're done. Yeah. When you look at this roster, Rod, they've got one spot left that they can fill, and I think they hold on to that in case something just really good comes up in the grad transfer market running. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point, which I've heard probably not. Right? The only thing I've seen that could possibly come up is you got Tavian Feaster at Clemson, who is still with them this spring. It sounds like he's going to go through spring ball there, uh, and then maybe make a decision after that. I don't know, but he's a guy that does have an option to be a grad transfer guy if he wants. I would think if Tavian Feaster's on the market, that's a move. If you're Texas, you definitely look at making to to bring another body into the running back room, or maybe there's something on the offensive line again. You know, because we're talking about you know guys like Junior Angelou and Christian Jones. Maybe there's something that's just too good to pass up. But now you've set yourself in a position to where okay, you've got one spot left you can add. Let's save it for best available guy on graduate. Yeah, whether and it's it, a running back or an old lineman or whatever. Exactly. And, I, and I'm with you. You only seem to have two needs. You know, offensively like that. And like you said, I mean, I don't, I don't know on defense. They're looking up something that they wouldn't use it on defense. At this point, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. You know, because you've got body, you've got bodies at linebacker. You're just, you're young just, you're just inexperienced. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jacoby Jones, I think, as a Juco guy, who, again, we talked about him last week, he's added anywhere between 10 to 15 pounds since he's been on campus, probably the high end of that, uh, to help fill a role on the D-line. So, But you had body, I mean, you had Graham and Will Bond and Bimage coming off the shoulder surgery. Yeah. So, you I mean, you've got you've got bodies on defense. You just don't have a lot of experience. Yeah. With some. Um, Let's go ahead and talk spring football. we got a few minutes here, and we'll talk more spring football next week because actually when we get into record, spring football will technically have started. The first day of spring is going to be uh, on the 11th, on Beautiful. Monday. So, Rod, as we start looking at spring ball, I guess we'll end the show with this, and we'll go ahead and start talking into more you know, in-depth next week. What is your one big concern, question mark? What What is oh. top of mind for you going into spring practice? Um, Interesting. I, I would say it's definitely going to be on defense. I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball, and I'll, I'll just go with the 
lack of experience. And I mean, I know that's a really kind of a blanket statement, but I mean, you and I've talked about it. I mean, and we've crunched the numbers. I think they're, they're going to lose 223 combined starts. I think it's 233. Uh, that, that I saw. And that, I, I tried to go back. I did as much research as I could. Mm. So I, I went through the internet era. All right. And once you, once <laughs> that's you, good enough, man. Once you break through the, through the internet era, like once you, once you go down that rabbit hole and you're like, oh, there's no more actual track data. Yeah, past, like starts. 1994, five, like, I, that's as far back as I could go. And literally, I got to go start asking Craig Way and, and Bill Little. Yes. Like, hey, do you, you got to go to the school historian. Yeah, exactly. Um, Because I haven't found any internet aid a Texas defense that has lost more than this defense lost this year. And career going starts. From, going and, and combined starts. And yep. just go look at the manpower. We just talk, we just got to talking about how good that 2017 defense mm-hmm. was. And now all those guys are pretty much gone except for Brandon Jones and Malcolm Roach. I mean, that's basically, yeah. this is the first, and, this, and I think it's a good and a bad thing. His first Todd Orlando defense in nine years, probably got to go back to his time at UConn, where over 70% of the defense is or his guy, guys he recruits, yeah. specifically to his mm-hmm. system. He hasn't had that in a while. So that's, that, that that gives me hope. I also get a lot of hope from this is his first time, Todd Orlando, having access to elite defensive linemen in the last three years when he's had access to elite defensive linemen now, four years, because going back to U of H with Oliver, they've played really well. Point of four, defensive lineman of the year. Charles Menhu, defensive lineman of the year. Ed Oliver, you know, all world, Ed Oliver, right? All American. So when he's had a really good D lineman and he's getting more and more of them, more access to him, and, and, and now at the power five level, his defense are, I think, getting better. And even though right. he's playing better offenses too. Yep. So I think that gives me hope. And then I think Texas will have the best safety trio, or at least a top five safety trio in the country next year. That gives me hope. But you can't find a D. And even those Vance Bedford second year defenses and the Manny Diaz second year defenses, they, they, lost, they lost less than this defense and they fell off a cliff. Yeah, I think 14 to 15, I think it was 203 in terms yeah. of starts lost. So, and yeah. that's exactly why it coincides with this because this group was forced to play so exactly. young yeah. and then played so much. So, you have guys that weren't even starters with this amount of career starts on their resume. And then when you look at going forward, though, because we talk about the change and the uncertainty, yeah. it's there. But the one thing we've been waiting for is continuity. And this will be the first time that Todd Orlando has the guys that he, he recruited. recruited in his guys. So, if you think about the square peg round, home what seemed to be a big issue with Texas always having to fit some other guys guys into my system and yep. Orlando might have done the best job of all of the predecessors because he's been doing used to that. it because he did it at U of H at so, Florida International and at Utah State same thing only two years there so it coincides yeah. with change like change isn't always bad but it also is uncertainty Anxiety. and it makes you wonder what's going to go on and then you actually if you're confident in the change then you go through with it and now we'll just find out how confident he is in the parts that are changing that he got to hand pick. I am confident that Texas hasn't lost as much. Think about it. Mac always had them staggered, as, as Matt just brought up. Mm-hmm. You know, well, when I left, Nathan Bashman, Derek Johnson, and Marcus Tubbs were still here. Like, that was always, it was right. always staggered because yep. he was always putting in, you know, uh, the, the new recruiting classes slowly but surely. But when Charlie had came in, and Charlie played more freshman than any other coach in the history of Texas football for two years, yep. yeah. then you saw that, uh, you saw that actually come to, uh, you know, a culmination mm-hmm. when 27 17, 2018's defense, but now all those guys with all those starts, they're mm-hmm. just three-year starters from that defense, they're all gone, and now you're almost starting from scratch again, other than Brandon Jones, Caden Stearns, who was a an all freshman All-American yeah. last year, right. uh, and who's probably the best freshman safety we've had in the history of the University of Texas, and Malcolm Rowe. So, those are your three. Other than that, everybody else is new. I love how you said it too, starting from scratch, because you know scratch, you man. saw Charlie, and he, he had the guys, and he started from scratch, but he wasn't able to get that cake in and let it and that's whenever you ended up getting it to be Tom Herman took over his guys and Charlie didn't get the field the fruits of his labor and get those guys we're at that tipping point where Herman gets to maybe get the fruits of all those players so he's getting to bake that cake and take it out of the oven and start to eat it now which Charlie never got to do Tom ate his cake Tom ate his cake Tom Herman did with that cake what what my wife makes me do with food when it's bad in the refrigerator Raider, just throw it over the back fence, let the, ra- <laughs> let the raccoons go eat it. <laughs> Feed that's what Tom Herman did that's, with that's that raccoon cake. raccoon cake is what that is. <laughs> that's what Tom Herman <laughs> let, let the let the deer out in the out in the pasture have yeah. a feast. 
and start over from scratch. Right. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, do, do lose a lot. But we didn't even tell, we haven't talked about this because this has happened. We've had shows in between. So Brandon Jones has the ankle surgery. He's not going to be available for spring practice. Blessing so I agree 100% because now you're tar- starting two safeties for that first practice are probably going to be B.J. Foster and Caden Stearns, which is going to really force DeMarvion Overstone to get a lot of reps at Joker. Yep. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what that looks exactly. like. Exactly. I think that's actually the best thing that could have happened to him because I think Tyler Lando now will, he'll try to work B.J. Foster, Caden Stearns, and DeMarvion Overshone at those nickel, dimes, and safety. Right. I want all three of those guys to be able to play strong, free, nickel, and dime. Not saying you got to do it, but think about how versatile your defense is when you can't tell if B.J. Mm-hmm. Foster, mm-hmm. Caden Stearns, or DeMarvion Overshone are at whichever position they're at at the time because you're moving things around. And you're the master Mental of disguise. All right? As, they, as, as uh, Clay Helton called him. So instead of a ghost front, can you have a ghost oh, back? Oh, sorry. The master of the art of confusion. So instead of a ghost front, you have a ghost back? Yeah. <laughs> and we know he likes disguise, right? He yeah. likes to move things around. I think that's how you start this year is those three guys play almost every position in the secondary other than the corner. And I put Anthony Cook in that position to play nickel, too. I want all those guys to be able yeah. to play it just in case. Cross training like Herb Hand. A ghost coverage, if you will. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Think about crazy that would be. You would never know what coverage they're in. Because no, all those guys can play man. They can match up. They all can come down and fill the alley. Ooh, I'm getting excited. I was looking at uh, <laughs> I was looking at some stuff from Pro Football Focus. Uh, I saw it pop up on my Twitter timeline. They do, I think it was completion percentage allowed or percentage of targets allowed. Pro Football Focus? Yeah. For Caden Stearns. It's crazy. Yeah. In, in terms it. of Big 12 safeties. But B.J. Yes. Foster was like number four in the conference in terms of like, uh, I think it was complete. And Caden Stearns was like, I think his, uh, man, the opposing, I got to make sure I get the number. It's like 21 1.4% yeah. crazy. Like I that. forgot what the stat was, but I saw BJ Foster and Caden Stern both best safety. I really just saw it. I'll get it here. But in Rod, a that, that holds weight because in the Big 12 is a safety. You're in man coverage. You oh, end up in man coverage, whether you want to or not, quite a bit. And usually that's the matchup that at offense is wrong, right? Like, oh, we got a safety on our slot wide receiver. But with Texas, that's not necessarily an advantage because Texas yep. has safeties that can corner, that, that can cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll retweet it and I'll put some stat above it. But yeah, it, I saw it at Pro Football Folk. But I, oh, I just found it. Damn it. There you go. Okay. It's forced incompletion percentage yeah. from Pro Football Focus. Big 12 safeties, minimum of 25 targets in, in coverage. Caden Stearns, 21.4% of the time uh, he forced an incompletion, basically, when he was in coverage. Uh, B.J. Foster is fourth, 9.7% of the time. Number two in the Big 12, Brendan Radley-Hiles of OU, yeah. 14.3% of the time. He's the best coverage safety in the Big 12, and it ain't even close. Yeah, you can combine right. those two below him, and it almost equals. All right, break time on the show. When we come back, it's more Texas football. We'll talk before we wrap this thing up and put it in the oven and close out another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. And caller number nine for $1 million. Rita, complete this quote. Life is like a box of... Oh, I know this one. Chocolates. Uh, you're cutting out, Rita. We need your answer. Uh, oh my goodness. Life is like a box of Oh, sorry. That's not what we were looking for. On to caller number 10. Bad network got you glitched out of luck? Switch to Boost Mobile's super reliable, super fast nationwide network and get four lines, each with unlimited gigs, for just $100 a month. Plus, get four free phones. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 4 First line is $100 a month. Lines 2 to 4 free. Requires one line to port in. Video streams set up to 480p+. Music it up to 500 kilobits per second. Gaming it up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization during congestion. Free phones require port in. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restricting supply. See dealer for details. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the Geico Insurance Agency. Visit geico.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. Rolaids presents the Heartburn Blues. <sighs> so the kids decided to cut their own hair today. And somebody's ink pen exploded in the wash. And family fajita night left me with the Heartburn Blues. But Rolaids made it all fine. Rolaids starts working as fast as now, so you can take control of even your worst heartburn. Get your groove back with Rolaids. Refers to acid neutralization. Use as directed. Beep's coming. You know what to do. Hey, I'm going to just rip this Band-Aid off. We need to break up. 
you're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you, and I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. <laughs> How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool? Not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could. Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today. And right now, get $100 off the purchase of a mattress when you text NICE to 84888. Yes, $100 off, but only when you text NICE to 84888. That's N-I-C-E to 84888. Message and data rates may apply up to five messages a month. TNC and privacy policy found at purple.com slash TNC. Reply help for help or stop to cancel. This is a cow. A cow whose milk became everyone's favorite cheese at the craft fair. But cheese only lasts so long. The impression a small business makes needs to last much longer. That's why Vistaprint is offering 500 truly personalized business cards starting at $9.99. Choose from hundreds of fresh designs tailored to your type of company. Or upload your own. The choice is yours. The time is now. Get 500 business cards starting at $9.99 with promo code 7575. That's promo code 7575 at Vistaprint.com. Vistaprint. Own the now. And now, a quick comparison from Grasshopper. When picking a phone number for business, what sounds more professional? Your personal number? Hold on, let me give you my cell. And uh, actually, let me get yours too, just so I don't ignore your call, you know? Or a dedicated business number, courtesy of Grasshopper. It was a pleasure meeting you. Our number is 1-833-IT-TROOP. Give us a call anytime. There's no contest. Put your best voice forward with Grasshopper, the virtual phone system for small business. Try it free at grasshopper.com. Keeps coming. You know what to do. Hey, I'm going to just rip this Band-Aid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you, and I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. (laughs) How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool? Not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could. Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today. And right now, get $100 off the purchase of a mattress when you text NICE to 84888. Yes, $100 off, but only when you text NICE to 84888. That's N-I-C-E to 84888. Message and data rates may apply up to five messages a month. TNC and privacy policy found at purple.com slash TNC. Reply help for help or stop to cancel. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. So next week, uh, definitely more spring ball talk. And, and I want to get into this because we've been talking about doing it for a couple of weeks. We haven't. I really want to kind of try to put 2018 to bed. Maybe we do that next week after we've got some spring preliminary, at least, spring ball talk about. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game. For everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049 AM, 1260, 101.9, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you get Rod B on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. You can also get the Blitz on the Horn. And thanks to Matt, you can get any of our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.